My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. You're very welcome to the Queen Free edition of An Irishman in America. We're not going to mention it at all here today, other than in this moment. Because while all of that was taking place, the world kept turning, believe it or not. The situation in Ukraine escalated this week, and so did the legal troubles facing Donald Trump, as always. Marion McKeown is here to walk us through all of the top stories emerging from America. But this week, Marion, I think we should just focus on this mounting inbox of issues this man has arising. You said an awful long time ago that this was coming home to roost. It's taken a while, but do you feel that this is a tipping point this week? Well, you know, I think with Donald Trump, you can never say never, Charlotte, uh, but he has so many legal problems and he seems to have the one poor lawyer who's sort of his legal spokeswoman. God, she must be on overtime because she's scrambling from one case to the next to the next and then doubling back to, to deal with the latest update in the previous one. It, it, it's legal chaos. It, at the risk of using, it's a legal shitstorm is the only way yeah. I can and, she, and she's doing it in the full knowledge that she's <laughs> not going to get paid for doing it. That's the because, other part of this poor woman. She's got no umbrella. She's just running around out there getting hit <laughs> from all sides. God love her. Um, where do you want to start? What's the best place to start if we're well, to go top to from most significant to least? Where do we begin? Right. I think that where we probably have to begin with most significant is Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, who has just come out with a 222 page uh, legal. I, I can't even tome. I mean, God knows what you described as. I have to be in the interest of being honest. I'm only about halfway through it, and but I can give you the the, the sense of it, which which is um, she's basically saying that she wants Donald Trump, not just him, but his three children, uh, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump, uh, to be barred from ever doing business in New York again, okay? And to be barred from owning any properties in New York for the next five years from any real estate investments. Basically, if she gets what she wants, the Trump organization is over in New York. I mean, they can do, you know, a bit like the NRA did after she went after them, although that case didn't ultimately succeed, but they up sticks and they went to Texas. So what she's saying is that Trump has over really going going back, I suppose, since he was in short pants almost, um, has just systemically lied, cheated, defrauded, 
Um, and it all comes back to this thing that this all came out of, you remember Michael Cohen? Michael Cohen yes. was a lawyer I, and fixer. I immediately so, thought of Michael Cohen when I heard about the inflation of asset values. Exactly. So Michael Cohen, after Trump shafted him, uh, basically came out and said, you know, the Trump organization has since, you know, day one, as far as he was concerned, being over, when, when he wants a bank loan, he'll say a property is worth um, $500 million, we say, so that he can use it as collateral if the property may be only worth $5 million. And he was using these kind of fantastic exaggerations. But on the other hand, when he wants, when it comes to taxes or other things, he'll say, oh, no, 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 that building's only worth 50p. Only worth yeah. 50 cents. Oh, no, that building, what are you talking about? Uh, so anyway, this had, um, well, it was, it, when Michael Cohen came out and said this, the, the New York then Cyrus Vance, who was then the New York, the district attorney for Manhattan, who had been really vilified for not pursuing a charge against Ivanka and Donald Trump Jr. Uh, back in, I think it was around 2014, when they were trying to shift units in the Trump Soho, um, whatever it was, Soho Grand, I think. And uh, yeah. the units weren't shifting. And so they were saying, oh, do you know that George Clooney's bought two units? Do you know Bill Gates has bought four units? Do you know that basically get in here now because there's only one left? So they were doing a thing which I kind of thought a lot of estate agents sort of do. We all know they're not altar boys and they go, oh God, you know, so-and-so's buying the one next door and this is going, going, going. And uh, anyway, um, Cyrus Vance decided that, that they did it to a point where this warranted a criminal investigation. So he he started looking into it on the on the grounds of fraud, and then he dropped it. Now New York is a tough city, and the New York media weren't going to let him away with that. So they jumped up and down, said, "You're showing favoritism. You're afraid of Trump." Blah blah blah. And he was slightly humiliated. But what he said was, "Yes, he thought there was a case, but he didn't think he'd be able to get a conviction." And that's always the dying on which the you know the, the legal profession will turn, especially in America, because um, attorney generals don't want to strike out. They are district attorneys. They want to win. And if they don't think they can win, they're not going to bring the case. Now, James Comey years ago said that he's really against that. He said he thinks you should bring any case that has merit and fight it to the end. And if you lose, well, you did your best, you know. But anyway, yeah. I'm, digre I'm digressing there. So uh, anyway, off, he then decided that he was going to bring another criminal action based on what Michael Cohen said, that he was going to initiate a criminal investigation, having been stung and criticized for letting um, Donald Trump Jr. and Ivanka skate as the New York media sought and a lot of legal experts sought at the time. He said, okay, you know what, we're going to go back for a second bite in this cherry. So he, he on, on the basis of what Michael Cohen said, he started a criminal investigation, hired really, really top people to, to do the criminal investigation, and they handed him a bunch of stuff. And they said, like, these are respected top-notch guys. And they said, there's a criminal case here. There's enough to convict him. Then Cyrus Vance um, retired last year and uh, Alvin Bragg took over a new district attorney in Manhattan. And he said, no, 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 we're postponing this. We're not, you know, we're basically he dropped the ball. Now, nobody knew why. The uh, top pro prosecutors and investigators resigned in protest. They were furious. They made their, their fury absolutely clear. They went on a number of TV shows and they, they tweeted about it and they quit. So they couldn't have been any stronger in their protest at Bragg's decision to drop the ball on it as they thought. He said they didn't have enough to, to be sure they'd have a criminal conviction. So again, 
he was erring on the side of caution. He didn't want to strike out. Now, Letitia James, in the meantime, who is the New York Attorney General. So just to be clear, because I know this can all get a bit, it certainly confuses me, the District Attorney for Manhattan will bring criminal cases. The New York Attorney General, who is Letitia James, doesn't have the authority to bring criminal cases or to initiate criminal investigations. That's that's handed out to the various district attorneys of the areas. Um, so when it comes to state investigations, uh, but so she can bring civil and she can also refer a criminal investigation to the federal courts, which is what she's also doing with this. So it's all a bit territorial. Everybody has a little bit. But what's happening now is Letitia James has completed her criminal investigation. You may remember we spoke about this a few weeks back where Trump um, took the Fifth Amendment something like 500 times during his questioning, as did Ivanka Trump and Donald Trump Jr. And when Eric Trump was questioned, I think it was in April this year, he also took the Fifth Amendment 500 times. So they're, they're, so they, they were all very good at the Fifth Amendment. Now, the thing about the Fifth Amendment is if you take the Fifth Amendment in, in, a, in a civil case, um, and, and it means that you don't want to answer that question for fear of incriminating yourself, if you do that in a criminal investigation, the jury isn't allowed to know, okay? They're not allowed to know that, that you took the Fifth. But right. in a civil case, the jury is allowed to know. So the jury in this coming up civil case now, and it's going to be a doozy if they don't settle, and that is a big if, um, the jury will be allowed to know that Eric Trump Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump Jr. and and Papa Trump took the Fifth Amendment probably about 2,000 times between them when they were asked about their business practices. That does not look good. Okay, so what Letitia James is, is going after now is she wants a, 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 a judge to impose a $250 million fine on Trump um, for fraudulent practices for basically running a sort of a, I, she said, a compendium of lies uh, on which he based his company, which he used all these lies and all this fraud, she claims, uh, to get these loans, which he bought these properties with, which he then sold at a bigger profit or whatever. Um, she is basically saying the whole Trump organization is a scam. Now, in addition to the $250, $250 million fine, she wants uh, Trump basically not to be allowed to, to run his business in New York anymore. Uh, and she wants no Trump properties um, she wants him not to be able to buy any properties or invest in any properties for five years. Uh, so, as I said, that would basically be, she's not looking for the, the forced closure of the Trump organization. So he could, in theory, just relocate it to Florida, you know, or whatever. So, so yeah. but it, it's a hell of a headache. It's yeah, a hell of a headache. To have it's to kind of interesting that she arrived at the $250 million <laughs> figure, right? I mean, yeah. not to be flippant here, but that's the exact number literally the exact number in donations from supporters there for this election defense fund that yeah you know the that, that, january 6th exactly. committee is investigating that was the committee's exact number that was what zoe lochran said that was in, uh, the committee member who was looking into that and she said 250 million and, that, and we all knew it was there around but the, where Letitia James, just on that, is claiming that's coming from, she says that $100 million is coming from the sale of the Trump Hotel in Washington. She points to that. Now, to me, that's a bit of a stretch. And I, God, I wouldn't want to second guess the Attorney General of New York, who knows a hell of a lot more than I do. But um, 
basically what happened with the, the Trump DC hotel, we, we spoke about it before. I think um, we, we may have slightly mocked its interior design. I stayed there one night and I think I told you it was like sleeping in a coffin. Uh, there were no windows, no nothing. A $700 a $700 night coffin, I may add, but a dreadful place. And, and you know, just, just classic Trump, no taste whatsoever. Gaudy, yeah. Gaudy and and yet cold and sterile and utterly lacking in character, um, and uh, and in fact I remember when I was in there one night in the bar they had all these giant TV screens and they had Conor McGregor reruns of Conor McGregor fights on one screen and reruns of Donald Trump fights on the other. <laughs> but they still managed to sell it, and that's where a hundred million of this and estimate they, comes from. They sold it and they made a hundred million profit on it, even though the place was making no money whatsoever, other than the, the Saudi Arabians who would pay whatever it costs to stay there, and the, you know, the Republicans who were looking to curry favour with Trump by holding their receptions there, but the rooms were empty. So the place was not making money, and yet this is Donald Trump's strange, I don't know how he does it obviously, but, but um, that he can sell what is clearly a failing enterprise, although it's a prime building in New York, it's a, or in Washington, D.C., it's a historic building on Pennsylvania Avenue. It's a prestige building. So anyway, he sold it um, in May, I think it was, made $100 million on it. Now, um, she's saying the reason he sold it and the reason he made that profit in it is, all it is because he had lied to Deutsche Bank in the first place, who who provided the I think it was 170 million that he needed to get the ball rolling on buying that, on buying that lease. Um, so she said, well, he lied to Deutsche Bank. And if he hadn't lied to Deutsche Bank, he wouldn't have been able to buy the building because they wouldn't have given him the money. If they hadn't given him the money, he wouldn't have been able to sell the building with a, for a $100 million profit. Now, that to me just sounds like the normal cutthroat building or cutthroat business that, that real estate developers and property developers do. Uh, but So I don't know. I, I mean, I went through that section a couple of times. and You can see what she's saying, but will a jury and will a judge buy that? I don't really know because business is, is a tough world and business in New York and D.C. and in the hotel and commercial property business, it's even tougher. So we'll see. But I think with a lot of the rest of the stuff that she's claiming, there are... It, it, it's nailed down pretty solidly. We, we know, I mean, there was one building. Okay, now again, this sounds curious to me. Okay, there's Trump Park Avenue. Again, another of these Trump buildings that are ridiculously overpriced, but it's on Park Avenue in Manhattan. And that mm. is a prestige. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. So Donald Trump, some of these buildings, some of the apartments in this building, not sure how it ever happened. I think that when they bought it, they were already rent controlled and they couldn't get the tenants out. So Donald Trump Jr. had described this building as the bane of his life. Oh my God, it's a nightmare, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, um, but the, these rent-controlled apartments were valued independently at $750,000 each. Now, I assume that's because they were rent-controlled, so you couldn't sell them. Because if you have a rent-controlled apartment in New York, you never, ever, ever leave it. Because you will never get anything like it again. So it means you could be living on Park Avenue for $600 a month. And if somebody buys that apartment, they have to honor that deal. So anyway, um, the the uh, the independent assessor said, well, this these apartments are worth about seven hundred and fifty thousand each, and um, on the basis, presumably they're rent controlled. 
Donald Trump said, oh, no, 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 no. In his evaluation, he said they're worth 15 million each. Now, it's very hard to go from 50 million to 750,000. I don't know, you know, like, you know, you, you might go to a couple of different estate agents and they might, you know, give you a couple of million in the difference. You know, it's a Dr. Evil level of jump there from $1 million to $100 million. <laughs> it's just insane. It makes no sense. So she pointed to this as the level of nonsense that was, you know, being sort of handed out by Trump. Trump is saying, look, no harm, no foul. If any of these people wanted to check, they could have checked. I didn't stop them from doing their independent assessments themselves. So they could have come back to me and said, you know what, Donald, you're mad. And uh, this building is worth, uh, this apartment's worth 750,000. It's not worth 50 million. And he could have said, okay, fair enough, hands up. But this didn't happen because he was Donald Trump. So they weren't double checking, although you would imagine being that he was Donald Trump would be the very reason they should have been double checking. The other thing that she points out is, Mazars, who were Trump's accountants for decades and about yes. a year ago, wasn't it? And who they just off. hands up, we're firing mm -hmm. Trump as our client. Uh, and by the way, the last decade of stuff that we got from don't rely on a word of it, you know, don't wow. rely on it uh, because it's all fantasy. And that was what his accountant said. Now, you could have also said, well, surely as his accountants, they should have done their own due diligence. Um, yeah, and they're but, culpable. They went yeah, along with it. Exactly. But they, but accountants will say, and I know that even w with my own accountant, and, and God knows I haven't. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but they have a thing at the end saying that they are relying on you to be truthful oh, and yeah. forthcoming with your but accounts. In the in the event of the police becoming interested, you admit <laughs> that it's all your fault. Right? Yeah, that it's all nothing to do with them. That that what I gave them is is truthful and honest and above board. Now, as I said, if I got that guarantee from Donald Trump, I might look at it twice and go out here and phone up my my buddy, the independent assessor, and say, "Would you ever go over there and have a look at this?" But uh, but they didn't do that. They just they just scarpered. They just ran for the hills. Uh, yeah, and, cashed and their then, checks and got out yeah, of there. And so that's Trump. Let yeah. me ask you, Marion, I assume that he's taken to Truth Social with uh, uh, a damning put down of this woman. Uh, have you got that to yeah. hand? Do you know what he said? Uh, well, he basically said that it was racist because, uh, I mean, he said many other things as well, the usual fulmination and spluttering outrage, but he said that Letitia James was racist, presumably because she is a black attorney general and he is a wealthy white businessman. Uh, so, you know, what? I can't, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's <laughs> like, I mean, that is clutching at straws. Do you yeah. know what this is? What? Racism. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. isn't file after file after file, folder after folder, carefully, carefully manicured and put together evidence Exactly. This is racism against me, yes. the blondy, white, Aryan race guy. Yes. Yeah, this is a black woman who doesn't like, as you said, you know, ex-presidents, wealthy, albeit dodgy ex-presidents um, who are white. You know, so he's basically, he's not just using the race card, he's flipping it and turning it upside down and, and doing God knows yeah. what with it. But David it's, it's Blaining not, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I like that one. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's eaten yeah. the deck he's, of carts, of race carts.
And now I, he's producing them from his ears. For <laughs> want of a better choice. Well, anyway. Yeah, I was going to say somewhere else. But this is um, this is obviously going to run and run. And I do feel like Alan Weisselberg has scapegoat written all over him. Now that he's already, we've talked about this before, uh, agreed to take a dive nearly. How much of this do you think will be pinned on him? Well, now this is the interesting thing because Although Alan Weisenberg did plead guilty and he agreed to, to basically do his time, but he also agreed as part of his plea deal that he would uh, testify against the Trump organization, but not against Donald Trump personally. Now, I don't know how that will work, but his trial is coming up in late October, in, in about a month, in fact. So we'll see how that all shakes down then. I mean, it's it seems pretty apparent that he is going to be, you know, that 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 case is is not going to be won by Trump. It seems that's a very very tricky case, but it's it's a separate issue almost now from from this. Uh, but it, again, it's corroborative. It's it's look if this case if this civil trial goes to court, it'll be two or three years. I guarantee mm-hmm. you. It will yeah. take that long to get the ducks in a row. It'll take that long for Donald Trump to run out the clock on the appeal process. He'll but want I, a special master. He, oh, he'll want 10 of them. <laughs> One for every building. Uh, he, he, um, but, but really, I think that what will happen is they will settle. Because it is not, Donald Trump is not beloved in New York. A New York jury would be a tricky thing for Donald Trump. We all know that in a civil court and in New York, it's a preponderance of evidence. It's not beyond reasonable doubt in a case like this. And there is a preponderance of evidence that suggests very strongly that Trump has been gaming the system since the very day that he, he started working for his father. So, you know, I, I think that he, I don't know if a judge would give the penalties that she is asking for. He'd certainly probably give them a hefty fine, but the name, their name would be mud. So I think what Trump will do is what he generally does is that he will settle on this. Now, also, I should say that his, he already offered to settle. I, I don't know what the terms were, but it was basically laughed out of the Attorney General's office. Uh, so mm. he's already shown an inclination to settle on this one. So I think that they may come back and offer to pay the fines or whatever, or do a big, you know, I, I do not see this going the legal distance because it would cost Trump almost as much in legal fees if he ever paid them um, and, and in publicity and if he's trying to run again and you know, it, it would just be a nightmare hanging around his neck. Now, people are, you. it's baked into the Trump cake that there are always going to be legal actions. There's always going to be controversy. There's always going to be shady dealings. Voters know that and they could care less. You know, that's the Trump base. But other voters who are moderate, who may like Trump's tax policies, who may like a couple of other things he's been doing, uh, are kind of going, oh, God, you know what? We can get all this without the hassle. You know, we can get all this if we just vote for DeSantis. So yeah. I think that he's very aware of that. Um, so, so so, that's number one, right? Yeah. And it's taken us 20 minutes to sift through <laughs> what number oh, one oh. is. That'll yep. tell you the length of things. I accused Donald Trump of sexual assault. Now I sleep with a loaded gun. That's the words of E. Jean Carroll, the writer who accused Donald Trump of raping her more than two decades ago but this has turned on its heel and this is this number two in terms of the charts here well i think in terms of the most recent developments and the most um 
damaging, I think, developments for Trump. Yes, I think we can definitely. Uh, e. Jean Carroll just announced um, this week that she was going to avail of a new law that's been introduced in New York, um, which is designed to help the victims of sexual abuse who at the time when it happened were too shocked or impoverished or intimidated to bring a legal action, who didn't go to the police um, and for whom the legal clock, the clock has run out to bring a civil lawsuit. So what the New York uh, legislature has done, it has said, starting from, I think it's the 25th of November this year, um, 2022, for one year, any person who claims to have been sexually assaulted at any stage in New York can bring a legal action, even if the statute of limitations has expired. This will be a civil action on a civil action by them. Now, she has said, E. Jean Carroll, and again, it's never straightforward with Trump. She brought, um, a, a couple of years ago, she wrote a book, a memoir, and in it she described in really, it was horrific, and it really, I think, stayed with a lot of people how she was raped by Donald Trump. She was raped by Donald Trump in the dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman, she claims, uh, in her memoir. She wrote that and she said that she knew Donald Trump socially. He knew her partner at the time. They were photographed together at New York Jews. She was quite a high profile columnist, uh, journalist. She was the Agni Ant for Elle magazine, I think. But like she would have been known around New York as somebody who went to things and yeah. her partner as well. So they were, as I said, she knew Donald Trump. She claims that what happened was she was in Bergdorf Goodman. She was trying on clothes. She walked out to get something, picked something else up. She met Donald Trump. She bumped into him um, there in, in Bergdorf Goodman, which is quite a small, very exclusive, very select shop on Fifth Avenue, quite near Trump Tower. Um, and uh, she said that he then followed her into the dressing room. I proceeded into the dressing room. The minute he closed that door, I was banged up against the wall. He slammed you against the wall. Yeah, I hit my head really hard. Boom. And you point out and that he's a tall, big person and six, he pinned three. you in some way. Well, I'm a tall person too. I was 6'1 in my heels and I was a competitive athlete. So, you know, when somebody shows you, the thing is it shocked me. It, for a moment I was stunned, right? And then he tried to kiss me, which was, it was so hard. But so my reaction was to laugh to knock off the erotic whatever he had going on. Because the man, when you laugh at him, he's like, no, you know, he just went at it. It was a fight. It was, a, I want women to know that I did not stand there. I did not freeze. I was not paralyzed, which is a reaction that I could have had because it's so shocking. No, I fought uh, and um, it was over very quickly. She said she was wearing a, a, a a shirt coat, a, a shirt dress, a, a basically outfit of hers, which was like a dress, but also was a coat. It was like a heavy cloth mm -hmm. dress. And she claims that he raped her. She was wearing that at the time. And she claims that his DNA is on that. His semen is on it, she says, and that she has kept it. She never reported it to the police at the time. Uh, she said she went home. She was utterly distraught. She knew Trump, which made it all the more shocking and the way it, it happened. And uh, he, of course, absolutely denied it when the book came out. And that's he said where, unfortunately, we have to leave it for part one of my conversation with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear part two. We are only on number two of the seven molehills that make the mountain of legal difficulties facing Donald Trump. Not 
only that, but Marion will go down through her seven predictions for each one of the legal difficulties he faces. They could include Mar-a-Lago, they could include January 6th, they could include Atlanta's Brad Raffensperger. I'm not going to say. You have to come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad to support our show and hear the rest of this chat each week. <laughs>